Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Today, I'm speaking to such a beautiful soul, Megan Rose Lane. Megan is an entrepreneur, self-love and mental health advocate and a first-time mum. Having experienced more than her fair share of serious mental and physical issues with her body, Megan now uses her story and her platform to build confidence in other women. And her goal is to spread her empowering message of self-love to women all over the world. We are talking everything from being a new mum to bulimia to becoming an influencer to dealing with judgment, vulnerability, body confidence, and so much more. This is such an incredible episode, and I hope you get as much from it as I did recording it with Megan. Let's dive right in. Hey, Megan. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming over today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. Tell me and the listeners about who you are, what you stand for, what you're all about. Well, I'm Megan Lane. I am 28 years old and I am a mental health and body confidence blogger and also a first-time mum to my nine-month-old now. Wow, that's gone so fast. <laughs> nine-month-old baby girl, Esme. Amazing. And what does confidence mean to you? Because you talk a lot about confidence yeah. on your page. Yeah. A lot of people really see you as someone who's really inspiring for their, you know, inspiring for them in their confidence journey. So yeah. what does confidence really mean? The tricky one. Confidence to me is a state of being that I have kind of practiced and cultivated over the years. And I, you know, I used to have no confidence. And there's still days where I don't have any confidence, but I find when I'm at my most confident is when I'm really standing in my power and I'm not afraid to go for what I want and I you know put myself out into the world and I'm vulnerable and I'm honest and I know who I am deep down and I act from that place you know this confidence in so many different ways is like the confidence to even just like ask the personal trainer at the gym how to use a machine do you know what I mean and there's a confidence to post the pictures online of myself when I'm you know I'm not edited and I am showing my body in a way that I wouldn't used to have been able to post and you know confidence is something that everybody is entitled to and I think people think that it's reserved for the you know for the certain few people in life the privileged ones and it's not true everybody can have confidence everybody can cultivate confidence it just takes work mm -hmm. and it, it takes practice yeah we were saying just before it's like a muscle and that's yeah. you know a really nice way to describe it because we can think about going to the gym but it's going to the gym taking the action exercising yeah. and going through a bit of resistance and a bit of challenge that can help you to really build that confidence like a muscle and I love as well how you said that it's not just something that certain people are entitled to mm. because I think there is a misconception that if you look a certain way or if you get to the certain size or the weight or you have the followers that then you'll be confident but as someone like you with a platform and you're like gorgeous and you have all this amazing stuff going on but you still share that there are hard days for you too and confidence is not necessarily this linear path or destination I guess. No absolutely and I think as well we often just take a look at someone and think that we can judge 
how confident they should be and how their mental health should be because of the way that they look or the privilege they have or you know the relationship they're in or their circumstances and the thing is you just do not know what that person's been through you do not know what they've experienced in their life what their upbringing was like and I think a lot of confidence from a young age comes from the way you were brought up and your parents uh, the people that you hung out with at school your teachers there's just so many different things that can influence how confident someone is and how their mental health is and it has so so much more to do with the just an outside appearance you know if if being beautiful or successful was the cure for anxiety and mental health issues and doctors will be prescribing surgery to fix it you know what I mean and they don't because it doesn't work like that it's cultivated from within and it's so much deeper than surface level you know absolutely absolutely and I was saying to my friend Olivia who's in one of the previous episodes Mm -hmm we were talking about this and she was saying, you know, sometimes the most beautiful people actually struggle the most with their confidence because they've spent their whole life being valued or assessed or told about how beautiful they are and how they look. And so all their focus and all their worth gets attached to that. Yeah. And people don't necessarily focus on the person that they are on the inside. And so they think I've got to always look beautiful in order to receive this love and validation. But as you will know, like, that love and that validation is an inner experience just as confidence is. Yeah, there comes a point when someone telling you that you're pretty or you've got a nice body or you've got this or you've got that and it's just all the surface stuff as a compliment becomes so empty and it's like, God, we're so much more than this. You know, people focus so much on the external and, you know, the true compliments are like who you are as a person and how you've helped people and what you bring to the world. It's so much more than just your physical appearance, you know? I totally agree with that. So when it comes to self-love, that kind of looks different for every person. But what do you think it means to really love yourself? And what has your self-love journey been like personally? It's a similar thing with confidence. There's so many layers to it and there's so many uh, so many different ways to look at it. For me, it's been such a long journey, a roller coaster. Like you said earlier, it's not linear. It's not like you love yourself and that's it, done. Life changes. With that comes this uncertainty and this feeling of being uncomfortable and, and you really have to adapt with life and then up your self-love level as life brings you more and more challenges. For me, it begins with self-awareness. It begins with this awareness of who you really are as a person and why you're here on on the earth and what you have to offer, knowing your value, knowing that everybody's equal, more success doesn't make you more valuable as a person or being rich doesn't make you more valuable as a person. And really understanding that you have the same amount of value as every single other person on the entire planet. And then really using that self-awareness to look at your self-talk, the thoughts that you have, the beliefs you have about your life and yourself, And then actually challenging those and looking at the root of where they came from and saying, hang on a minute. So my teacher told me that I was stupid when I was 13 years old and I've grown up with the belief that I'm stupid. Is it true? Where did it come from? Why did she say that to me? Was that her problem? Was she projecting her own issues onto me? And I think self-love, there is just such a huge element of the self-awareness and understanding that all the things we believe about ourselves and the reasons why we bully ourselves actually might all be based on lies that we told ourselves and the story we tell ourselves about not being good enough. And then once we understand that, then the doors fling open and it's like, right, I am worthy and I am deserving of love. And I actually, what if I am a great person? And what if I am beautiful? And what if I am actually kind and considerate and not all of these other lies I've been telling myself my entire life? Obviously, there's a huge part of this having healthy boundaries, knowing what you deserve in relationships and in friendships and in life and knowing when someone around you is quite a toxic person and when to remove yourself from that situation. That is a huge act of self-love to know what you deserve. And yeah, really knowing to walk to walk away from negative situations that are just gonna bring you down. And really just allowing yourself to feel joy, respecting yourself and your body, knowing that you're more than a body. Um, seeing yourself as more you're not an object loving yourself isn't just about enjoying the way that you look it's about really knowing who you are on a deep level yeah as a human and not just as a you know a piece of meat for people to look at and to judge 
my journey with self-love, my earliest memory of having low self-esteem was when I was six years old. I was in this swimming bath with my mom. She was drying me down with a towel and she dropped the towel. And I just said, oh, mom, a bit embarrassed. And this little girl who was opposite me and her mom was drying her with the towel. She pointed at me and she said, you're fat. And I, I don't think I'd ever really thought about my body like that before. I'd never really been, I don't, don't think I'd ever had that awareness of it before. And I looked down and I saw this like round little belly, this six-year-old little innocent, chi- tiny child body. And I just immediately felt judged and insecure and like I wasn't good enough. And, and six years old is such a, you know, a delicate age for children. Anything that anyone says, we kind of adopt it as our beliefs. So from that moment on, that was my belief, you know, and I then grew up hiding myself out of shame. Even at the age of probably seven or eight, then I'd be on the beach with friends in Wales on like family holidays and I'd constantly be covering myself in a towel and not want to be seen. Summer holidays, I'd hide inside and watch movies when my sisters were outside sunbathing because I thought I don't deserve to wear a bikini, I don't want my body to be seen. And that was just from such a young age. And then at the age of about 11, I've developed bulimia. And I was around girls all the time. And we were always kind of, everyone was always on a diet. And like, it was cool to be on a diet. Who could eat less? And then it became this like fun game to like eat my dinner and then go and be sick in the toilet. And it, it wasn't, it, I was just so young. I didn't even understand what I was doing. And I feel like part of it was for attention. Um, I remember being really young and actually leaving, purposely leaving sick on the toilet after I'd thrown up. So my mum would find it as some kind of, I don't know, some kind of cry for attention. But what I didn't realize is that it would become a very, very, oh, very soul-destroying, lifelong eating disorder. So what started off as like a bit of fun and the diet and whatever turned into something that was so much more serious and life-threatening. And yeah, I don't really remember having one memory from growing up as a teenager and in my 20s at uni where I, I wasn't in the toilet throwing up somewhere every day it was just always there haunting me and it just never went away so yeah I think I got into my 20s and I thought god this is enough you know I was I got to a point where I just I really despised myself I looked in the mirror and I would just cry and I would pull at my skin just this utter feeling of like not being worth anything and not and not understanding why I just got to a point where I thought this, I can't live like this anymore I just can't do it I was exhausted I was I had suicidal thoughts and my mental health was absolutely rock bottom, had started having panic attacks, ended up going antidepressants and then kind of climbed my way back out from there in my 20s. Bought lots of books, discovered Wayne Dyer, <laughs> <laughs> who honestly like became like my guru of life. That's when I found God and spirituality and that really for me was just a huge shift in my life, like finding faith in something that was bigger than me and understanding my worth as a human being. And then it opened up and I was like, oh my God, I'm not as bad as I think, and I'm not this, you know, horrible, worthless, ugly person. I deserve my own love, and it was just from that day forward, like, I just committed every day. I meditated, I read my books, I started blogging, I started writing about it, I started sharing my story, and the more I shared it, and the more I realized that other people felt the same way I did, the more I thought, this is so fucking important, I swear. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's so fucking important. Like, I cannot express to you, and that was it. This is my purpose. I'm, I was put on this earth to go through what I went through so that I could then help other people to love themselves. Mm. And I'm still working on it. You know, Paul went away at the weekend to a fitness festival, and I cried all weekend because I felt shit. I felt awful. And I was comparing myself, and I, and, and I, had, a, I had a bad time. And, it's, you know, it is. It's just one of those things. Like, the best thing now is... The good days far outweigh the bad days. So it's just that journey of getting to that point where it's like, okay, you tip the scale, you know? Yeah. And it's gradual and it's a process. And maybe one day it will just be pretty much all good days and the one bad day here and there. A whole lot better than it used to be when I had, you know, one good day in a couple of months every now and again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing so many intimate and vulnerable details of that because I think sometimes... In our industry, when we talk about our troubled past or when I do or when other people talk about eating disorders, they like condense it into this like really short little elevator pitch so that they can then get on with what they need to say. But I think it is important to share those kind of hard, difficult details 
more intimately and vulnerably so that someone who's potentially going through that right now can see. And I also love how you said it was like you were climbing out of it and that it was a gradual process because it can be so easy to just say, okay, I'm sick of this. I'm done. I want to feel better. Why am I not feeling better yet? And a lot of my clients feel like this um, when they go through coaching because it takes time and sometimes it's harder when you get that self-awareness yeah. because you're aware of what you're doing and yeah. you're like, this is wrong and destructive. Why must I want it? But I'm still doing it. <laughs> it's like being consciously incompetent. Like totally. when you first learn how to drive, totally. you were fine in the passenger seat as a kid, but then when you actually take the wheel, yeah. you have the information but you haven't had the transformation yet. Now we've not practiced it. So yeah. yeah. And self-love, I think, can be really difficult for people to wrap their head around when they're in self-hatred because mm -hmm. you can't just swing straight into self-love, can you? It's more like becoming neutral or accepting. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that before you go from a point where you really do just hate yourself, despise yourself on that level, you have to go through that period where you just kind of feel okay about yourself, but you build up from there. I don't know if it's possible to just switch from that you know, that real dark place and just like, you know what, I love myself, I'm great. It takes work. Yeah, definitely. Years of work sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like celebrating just those small moments, even if you've had the day from hell, but there was one moment that you had peace or one moment where you had a smile and it's about focusing your mind on collecting those moments and seeing them as possibilities mm -hmm. of something else. Mm -hmm. And I definitely resonate with a lot of what you said. So thank you for Good. sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that would be really helpful for a lot of people listening. I hope so. I hope so. So you're a mum. I am. <laughs> Congrats. Thank Amazing. You. I definitely want to ask you some questions about this because like I was saying to you before we started recording, I noticed that there's different chapters that women go through yeah. which switch up or influence how confident they're feeling. And you know, there's childhood, adolescence, early 20s, but then there's becoming a mum, which is a whole new ball game of responsibility, yeah. emotions, yeah. vulnerability, your children probably mirroring things back to you about yourself. So how has becoming a mum influenced your confidence? And what are the struggles or the strengths that you've discovered as a new mum? Oh, wow. Well, if I could describe motherhood in one word, I'd have to say it is humbling <laughs> there is no other way I can't even explain like the change in everything in my beliefs about myself my life and even now when I scroll back down my Instagram to the time before I had Esme I just don't recognize myself and it's so weird and not in like a not in a mean way but I do cringe a bit I'm like oh my god I was so you know into myself everything was about me 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 and I was just so you know, I was still editing my pictures to a point where I didn't really look like myself. I came across as confident, but I don't think I was. I think I was still struggling. My eating disorder was kind of wavering in the background. And I was like, I'm healed, I'm fine. And I spoke about, you know, confidence and um, would show an edited picture and a not edited picture. But I was still editing my pictures. And I was like in this weird transition. And I looked confident then. But then when you've had a baby, well, I can't speak for everyone. But for me personally, after having a baby your priorities change so much. You don't have time to think about even doing your bloody eyebrows, never mind, you know, editing your pictures. I haven't got time to even take pictures anymore. I can't remember the last time I took a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> but my confidence has just grown so much. Like, I can't... I never thought I'd be a good mum. I've never, ever really been good with kids. How to speak to them and what level to speak to them on and what they liked and what they were interested in. And I always found it quite awkward. And I always, I really doubted my ability to become a mum and be a good mum. My number one Google search when I was pregnant was like, <laughs> will I be a good mum? How do I know I'm going to be a good mum? Will I love my baby? I remember saying to Paul, like, what if I don't love my baby? Like, what, what, what will happen? And I think he was like, what the hell? How can you even say that? <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I had it. And it just, I was like, why did I ever doubt myself? I know and I can confidently say now like I'm an amazing mom and I love her to pieces and I'm like 100% invested in her. She's my number one priority in life. She's everything. And to be honest, nothing else really matters that much. Do you know what I mean? It's like everything else just falls by the wayside and I'm like, do you know what? As long as I've got Esme, I'm fine. And in terms of like my mental health, she is so calming. 
she just brings so much peace and she's just she's so pure and babies are just so oh just so nice to be around you know and we sleep we sleep in the same bed or we go sleep I can't get enough of her literally I'll put her in a cot and then within a couple of hours I'm like nope you're in bed with me <laughs> but she just I think babies just have this such an amazing calming effect on your life well on my life anyway I'm not sure if everybody would agree I used to get on the tube if it stops underground I'd panic and maybe almost slip into a panic attack and now every time I feel like I'm gonna I get anxiety or I'm gonna slip into a panic attack I just think of Esme and she's just straight away I'm calm it's like she's just my strength she just brought all of my strength forward I literally cannot play small anymore I don't think I used to play small before I had it and now I'm like no I don't care I want to be rich and I want to be successful and I want to give her everything in the world and I am a good mum and I'm going to be a good role model and I haven't got time to put myself down and I haven't got time to look in the mirror and call myself nasty names because I don't want her to do the same. Life just becomes bigger than you. It's not about me anymore. It's about her and it's the most beautiful, transformational, amazing thing in the entire world. Maybe lucky. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. I think it was Wayne Dyer actually that used to say that children are this beautiful possibility that yeah. come into the world and they haven't been conditioned or had those experiences like <clears throat> when you were six or yeah. you know one of my experiences when was when I was about four and I decided that I was unlovable and oh God. when babies are born though they just cry. They will cry any time of the night. Yeah. They express their needs, but they also represent that unconditional love. Yeah, absolutely. Like she doesn't need to do anything or be anything other than herself to be just unbelievably, infinitely lovable. And then I think she makes me question that in myself as well. Like, at what point did I stop being unconditionally lovable in my life? If she is this unbelievable, beautiful, can't do any wrong in my eyes being. At what, at what point did society decide that I'm now not anymore? And at what age will she become not enough? Because for me, she never will. Mm-hmm. So that must apply to me too, right? Totally. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's that compassion. Mm-hmm. And with confidence coaching, one of the key pillars, first self-awareness, like you said, with self-love, but then self-compassion, yeah. which is actually a little bit different to self-love because you can be compassionate towards something without loving it. So, yeah. Anyone can apply the way that they are compassionate to children, tend to be more forgiving or compassionate towards a child behaving in a certain way than, say, an adult. We yes. just go, what a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we can do that with ourselves too. And like you said, if that little baby is yeah. deserving of that, we all are because that's our essence. We just got bigger. Got bigger? Yeah. And then, you know, some other bigger people told us that, we ain't shit to try, yeah. and, to try and sell us some stuff to make money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I know that you help lots of mums online to accept themselves yeah. and be more confident and kinder to themselves. What was your pregnancy and postpartum journey like and your mental health experience? Obviously, being a mum has really helped <laughs> your mental health, like you said. Yeah. But were there any struggles with your body changing during pregnancy or like your postpartum journey? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Pregnancy was the biggest challenge for me. Even now, when me and Paul talk about having more kids, my biggest fear is being pregnant again. Hormone-wise, it was good for me. My acne cleared up. <laughs> I've been someone who's been very hormonal my entire life. And when my period comes around, it was always like, oh my God, Meg's on a period. And it was like the running joke at school and in my family, because it was like, Meg's on a period. Because you would know about it. <laughs> I would be crying. I'd be angry. I'd smash something like as a child growing up. And then all of a sudden, it was like this heaven, this bliss of just feeling so calm and serene and nothing was a problem and nothing bothered me. And Paul was great all the time and he never pissed me off. <laughs> so that part was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But I did have very, very, very bad morning sickness. And after what I thought I'd healed from bulimia, Next minute, I've got my head down the toilet again. And obviously, that space for me, that the physical space of having my head near the toilet brought back a lot of really difficult memories. And that is a, a space that I used to feel safe in. And I used to go back to every time I felt emotional or something was stressing me out or I felt unlovable. But the toilet was like my 
my, my go-to place, you know, I'd binge on loads of food and then I'd just go and sit in the toilet and just throw up. And then with the gaining the weight and the fear of gaining weight and then being faced with like, oh my God, like, do I have like internalized fat phobia, of course, trying to address that. And then wondering why I was so scared of getting bigger. I thought I'd healed this, you know, by doing intuitive eating and all the things that I've been doing. And it basically was just this big smack in the face, like, you're not done yet. You're not done healing. There's more work to do. And this is a challenge for you. And bulimia during pregnancy was was definitely there. And you do binge, not just because of um, emotional eating, but your hormones, like you're so hungry. I remember there was one day that I had like five breakfasts. <laughs> I remember Paul being like, you know, you okay, you're hungry, babe. And I was like, I just can't get full. <laughs> and it was so like, it was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. You feel so out of control. And then obviously on Instagram, there's all these fit moms that are, Go to the gym through their their entire pregnancy with no issues. They don't get sickness. You know, they don't get a bigger appetite and they just carry on eating what they were always eating and they don't put any weight on. They just get this little bump and it's kind of hidden behind their abs and you just think, oh, fuck, like, why why do I have to be this, like, big, heavy, uncomfortable, sweaty person that can't stop eating cake, you know? And that was hard. It was Mm. really, really hard to accept eventually by about the third trimester I just had the self-awareness to just embrace it I was covered in cellulite and I thought so I think you know what so what my worth has not diminished as a person Paul literally thinks I'm a goddess right now I'm pregnant I'm carrying his child and he couldn't think of anything better he loves me to bits and there's absolutely no reason other than what society has told me to believe for me to not like myself it's one thing to feel uncomfortable. It's one thing to be, you know, heavily pregnant in the height of summer. And it, don't get me wrong, it was that was a bit of a nightmare. But in terms of my body changing, I just started to come to terms with it and just thought, you know what? It's not even permanent. It's just a phase of life. Mm-hmm. I've got the strength to get through this, and I've got the strength to see beauty in it rather than just feel fear. It's the self awareness. It's the, all the work I've done leading up from a pregnancy, and yeah, I had a bit more to do. But by the time I'd given birth and come out the other end and I looked in the mirror at this body that I did not recognize, my nipples were like, I've never seen them so big. They were like planets and they were so dark. And I was like, whose boobs are these? I looked bigger than I've ever, I've ever been. I remember looking in the mirror and just thinking, do you know what? It's okay. It's all right. I can make peace with this. And I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I can't get up the stairs. I was, you know, I was still heavy and I was out of breath. I hadn't exercised in a long time. And I just... You just feel in your body after having a baby like this, God, like you've been in a car accident after giving birth. You just do not feel like yourself. But again, you've got this bundle of joy that is now your new purpose to distract you from it all. And the time passes anyway. And, you know, I think as well, I actually had my placenta encapsulated. I want to do that. Do it. Oh, my God. Like, literally, had the first few days were bad. Don't get me wrong, I was a bit all over the place and I was crying uncontrollably. But then my placenta tablets got delivered. I started taking them. And people will always be like, it's placebo, it's not real, whatever. I don't care. I felt great. <laughs> as, long as, like, as long as it works. I don't care if it's placebo or it's the nutrients from my placenta or whatever it is. Yeah. I feel great. And the, the reason why I think that they really work was because there was a couple of days where I'd forgotten to take them. Without remembering that I'd forgotten to take them, I was having a shit day. And I was emotional and I was angry and I couldn't cope. And then I was like, oh shit, I can't take my flint pills. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I knew I hadn't taken them and then I felt shit. Yeah. It was the other way around. So I was like, do you know what? I also think they really work. Yeah. Well, some ancient cultures, and maybe even some current cultures, drink women's menstrual blood wow. because it's full of nutrients. <laughs> and apparently... Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if this is an evidence-based, um, but, <laughs> but what I've heard is that apparently if you put blood on from the woman's womb on a plant, it helps it grow more. So, I mean, your womb grew a baby, so surely yeah. anything from that area is going to be nourished for you, right? Yeah, well, it worked for me. Uh, there's going to be always be people that are like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? But, you know, just go with what you, what you feel. But honestly, just like, so happy I did that. And I think that... That was testament to why I had such an enjoyable postpartum period. It's been good. Like I said to you, like since having Esme, I'm just a calmer, more, less stressed person. I've had had bad days, like where Paul's been working, been home with the baby all day, and I felt really lonely. And I had a week where 
I think I was about four months postpartum and I had to call up the doctors and just say, look, I'm, I'm really down and, I'm, and it's not going away. And I think it got to like a week. Usually I'll have like, if I feel depressed or down, it'll last a day or two. This kind of time, it just didn't go away. And I was thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, I used to talk to someone, kind of pull myself out of this. I don't know. My anxiety was really bad. I kept, I kept getting this really awful fear that I was going to die which I've always had that fear since a young age, but I think it gets worse when you've had a baby and I've heard other mums say it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's that sense of that overwhelming sense of responsibility for wanting to be there for your child and like, oh my God, God forbid anything happens to me, what's she going to do without a mum? And then, yeah, and then I was thinking about that a lot and it really, really made me anxious. I called the doctor, I scheduled an appointment, but then I actually stumbled upon a podcast and she had this episode called you are not your anxiety and I listened to it and it was like bam that was it the cloud lifted and it was like her words just pulled me out of this dark place I was calling myself anxious I was saying I was depressed I was saying oh my god it's the baby blues and I was googling it and prove trying to prove to myself that I had postpartum depression then I was doing the whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing where you act like a depressed person you act like an anxious person and you become even more the thing that you think that you are. And I detached from that. And I was like, it's separate from me. Remember, Megan, like, you are the sky. Everything else is just the weather. And just reminded myself of that. And all of a sudden, it was like, I was pulled myself out of it. And I think that is, a, that is one of the things when it comes to self-love and working on yourself. It gets that easy. You know, you get those down days and you get, you can still feel depressed and anxious. But it's the confidence in yourself to pull myself out of this. And that self-belief that that you cultivate over the years, I think I was well prepared for that moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Have I swayed from the question there? Yeah, it's fine. fine. (laughs) Yeah, no, the response time becomes quicker, doesn't it? You know, I still have days where, you know, like when I get my period, I blow up like a whale. Like, and I get more cellulite. And it's not that I'm immune to not caring about those things, but... Like you said, like when you have a bigger, expansive life to focus on, it becomes easier to see that and to recognize or to see that negative thought and then go, actually, that's a thought that I'm listening to, but it's not me. And I can choose if I want to pick it up and put it in my bucket today or not, you know? And so sometimes it's just about rejecting your own thoughts and going like, okay, cool. I know that I'm on autopilot or that inner critic is there and I do feel triggered by what it's saying to me, but also I can choose if I want to take it with me or leave it. Absolutely. I think I saw on, it was Kenzie Brenner's profile the other day, she'd written a caption and one line just really stood out to me and it was, anxiety is lying to you in your own voice. And I was like, it's so true. It's so easy to get sucked into all your thoughts and beliefs because it's in your voice and you believe everything that you hear. And it's like that ability to just go, hang on a minute, that's not true. That's a lie. Where's it come from? I don't know, but I don't have to believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally exactly what you just said is it, spot on, yeah. And, you know, referencing back to being a mum, mm-hmm. I guess I like to say this to my clients, whether they have kids or not. Yeah. Like, if you wouldn't say that to your baby self or your three-year-old self or say you've got a daughter, yeah. if you wouldn't say that to your daughter, then don't fucking say it to yourself. Exactly. That is so true. I guess with Esme as well, it's like the thing in my mind, I'm like, would I want her to think this about herself? I grew up with a mum who constantly was on Slimming World, constantly put herself down. She's beautiful. Like my mum is so wonderful. It's such an amazing person. And all she ever did was put herself down. And I saw this incredible queen of a woman just constantly berating herself and calling herself names and talking about how her pants don't fit and she's this and she's that and the other and you know I soaked that up like a sponge I adopted that as my way of being and it has taken me a shitload of self-awareness to go fuck don't become like your mum <laughs> yeah you've got to cut that cord yeah because I'll pass it down to Esme yeah otherwise definitely you know energetically and then you know kids are so like you said they're they're sponging everything up they can see a lot of things uh, because yeah. they haven't been, they haven't put on the baggage yet, right? So they're very open and they can see and sense. So yeah. it's super important what you've just said. So you're spreading such a positive message online. I just love your page. Oh, 
But given how vulnerable you are and you've got a really large following, have you experienced negativity from people and how do you deal with that? Um, Do you know what? Touch wood. (laughs) I don't experience much. And I'm lucky in that sense because I don't deal very well with criticism, especially when I'm trying to be a good person and I'm trying to try and spread a positive message. It's not nice when people judge you in a nasty. I think I got a lot more negativity when I was in that transitional period between posting the beauty and the makeup stuff and the edited photos and then trying to like preach that we shouldn't edit our photos. People were like, well, what, why are you doing both at the same time? And I was like, I don't know. This is just where I'm at on my journey. Like, I don't know. I love that you are like owning that though. Oh God, like I, I literally think it's so important to be able to look back and be like, you know what, what I was doing was kind of fucks up, you know? Again, I, I don't judge myself for it because that was part of my journey and I wouldn't be where I am now if I haven't gone through that stage where I was just obsessed with taking selfies and obsessed with how I look. And yeah, like I had to go through that to get to where I am now. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna hate that part of my journey. Um, it was important, you know. You're actually saying like you got a DM. You tell the story, but yeah. you know what we're talking about. So it happens rarely now, but when it does, like the other day, I got, um, I posted a photo of myself having a bad day, and I was crying, and I thought I was having a bad day, and I thought I don't, I'm not gonna post today. Because I'm not going to post a picture of me being happy and smiling when I'm crying because that's just, there's no the integrity there. But then I was like, hang on a minute, why don't I post a picture of me crying? And obviously my first thought was, well, that's really attention seeking and you don't need attention. I was fine. I was just having a bad day. But people are going to judge me and think that I'm, you know, trying to get attention or whatever. But I thought, you know what? Fuck people's opinions. I want people to feel better because it's very rare that you see someone having a bad day on Instagram. So I put it up. And I got a message from a girl who was like, you know, this is so embarrassing. Like, you're supposed to be spreading a positive message and this is so negative. And, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself and blah, 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 blah. It was just literally like, she just shamed me. And I was like, I get it though. You know, people don't like seeing that kind of stuff. People people feel uncomfortable with vulnerability and there's still a huge stigma around mental health and talking about being upset. Or just the, the normal human emotion of crying and feeling sad is, is still shamed upon and is still seen as weak, you know? And mm-hmm. I now see it strength. I just think there's so much strength in it. takes strength, you know? It takes courage to go, I'm going to post something that other people don't post. But yeah. it's seen as embarrassing and it's seen as weak. So it actually takes strength to do it. And it feels, you know, every time I post something where I've got to be vulnerable, I get nervous. My heart beats really fast to get butterflies. And I think, this is embarrassing and I feel a bit embarrassed, but do you know what? This is going to help people. If people send me hate now, all I can think of is, you know, this is you projecting whatever it is that's going on in your life onto me and wish them well. But there just comes a point where you just kind of, over time, you rise above it. It's actually Chessie King, who's one of my favorite people in the entire world to follow. She's just unbelievable. And she posts these videos saying, I don't care what you think about me. I love those Have videos. Have you seen them? Yeah. It gets stuck in your head, doesn't it? Like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't care, care what, what you think about, about me. me. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, like, I get that in my head sometimes. And it's such an, a powerful way to just be like, do you know what? Whatever, whatever you say, what is your shit? It's not mine. Yeah. There's a, I'm not sure if you read the book by Byron Katie, the um, Loving What Is. You read no, that? I haven't. Unbelievable book. And she says in that book, in life, you can be in one of three businesses. You can be in your own business, in someone else's business, or God's business. So if you're in God's business and you're worrying about whether there's going to be a storm or it's going to rain or, you know, things that are completely out of your control. Or if you're in someone else's business, you're worried about what they're wearing or they're doing with their lives or what they're up to. As long as you're in someone else's business, you're not, you know, present in yourself in your own life. And that's sad at the end of the day because that is time wasted. That is so, there's so much time people waste worried about what everybody else is doing. It's like, hang on a minute, babe. Go home, journal, set some goals, <laughs> sort your life out, and focus on you. Because, you know, life, this life is precious. You can't just go around judging everybody else and just spending all your time, like, in everybody else's business, you know? Yeah. The only thing you can control is yourself anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was in therapy with my PTSD, my life was a bit crazy at the time. I went through this really hard breakup. My ex had started hooking up with one of my friends. We were living together. 
But I was so obsessed with controlling the whole situation. I didn't want people talking about it. I didn't want to be the center of attention. I didn't know what she was saying about me, what he was saying. And I used to go into my therapy sessions and be like, having this complete panic over like, so-and-so said this and I I just want them to know the truth. And um, I would be just honestly like pulling my hair out about it. And she just said to me, can you control what anyone says anyway? And I was like, no. She said, well, the only thing you can control is yourself. So why don't you start there? Yeah. And so I just came back then to my journal and looked at what are my values? What do I have control over my business Mm -hmm. and started from there? Yeah. And that's been like a revolution. It is. That is like, that is when you step back into your power and you get, you do like regain the control over your life. And it's all about like, what am I doing and what am I bringing into the world and what everybody else is doing really is none of anybody else's business. Yeah. And it's such a kind of empowering way to live, you know? Yeah. I do think one of the huge barriers to confidence for people is that fear of being judged, particularly for showing their emotions, talking about the mental health. Definitely work for women, particularly if they're in like a masculine workplace where emotions aren't necessarily welcomed or valid. Mm -hmm. And so I think what you've shared is really powerful about just accepting that that judgment will be there. Yeah. It's going to be there. Like it's not going to go away even if we talk about it because we're programmed to make judgment. But, but, but it's about how we rise up and just kind of say, fuck it, I'm going to do me anyway. Yeah, because their judgments are none of our business. Totally. <laughs> They're in our business. Yeah, exactly. We're in our business too, so it's cool. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Something that I really help a lot of women with is comparison. Mm-hmm. Do you experience comparison and in what ways do you cope with that or remind yourself that you're enough? Do you know before when I was talking to you about uh, when Paul went away at the weekend, this is the only Thing left in my life where I compare myself now in fact you know what that's a lie I do compare myself to people in business people who are in my kind of field bloggers people like that that are kind of helping the world I'm thinking how can I be more successful how can I help more people how can I be like them that doesn't really get me down though that's more like a, a comparison that's inspiring and more from a point of how can I be more like me but have their success do you know what I mean and it's a healthy kind of comparison I think but for me, it's still the, the body image thing. For me, I think that's just always going to somehow be there. And it's mm. just a part of my journey. And I date a guy who's in the fitness industry. And for me, I do not and have never liked the fitness industry. I find it very, very intimidating and very threatening. And I've always compared myself. And um, when Paul, my partner, goes to these events, like fitness events, where he's surrounded by fitness models and girls who are like really into the gym and girls who have like six packs and big booties and whatever, I feel shit. I really do. I go back into rock bottom. And it, it's awful. Because as much as I want to be like, don't go to these events and control him and tell him what to do, it's like, well, no, like he needs to go. And I need to heal my shit. It's not about him not going. It's about me sitting at home and going, do you know what? He loves me. I'm worthy. I love me. It's just not worth being upset about. Why have I got to compare myself? Like, I can stand in my power and I'm beautiful and I'm strong. And what's not told about my body? To be honest, he's been to a quite in a row recently. And the last one, I was so much better. I went from like last, like last year when it was like despair and anger and rage and falling out with him and calling him and screaming at him and accusing of him of things and stuff to being like, oh, I'm kind of sad that he's there. And I mean, I know I feel a bit insecure and it's the journey is just like you said, the confidence is practice. And in those moments, to be honest, sometimes all I need is is to hear him tell me. I love you so much. Like, I don't want anyone else. Nobody compares to you. And that, for me, is just enough to go, do you know what? You're so silly, Megan. There's no point worrying about this, you know? But it still gets me. It still gets me. Comparison, for me, is all... The worst part for me is yeah, comparing my body with other people. Especially now I've had a baby, you know? It's, that's probably the hardest thing. Even though I'm more confident after having a baby, my body looks completely different. My boobs, after breastfeeding, my boobs were always the part of the body that I felt so confident about. I loved my boobs. And now I'm like, okay, I don't really love them anymore. You know, they don't really look like they used to and they're kind of saggy. And that, again, is another challenge, another opportunity for me to grow more and for me to try and embrace them. And the body stuff is always going to be kind of my, the, the area where I compare myself probably the most. 
I love how authentic you are. Like, you just don't filter anything, and I think it's so great. <laughs> Thank you. Really, honestly, it's so refreshing. And I love how you recognize that it's an area for you to take personal responsibility in those situations. So, not going, how do I fix it by making him not go to the thing yeah. so that I don't have Relipulate to feel that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I really don't like it. It triggers the shit out of me. Yeah. But what can I do? How can I notice these feelings? Absolutely. And as well, you said how your feelings and emotions have changed by doing that. So like it's moved from anger and rage to now like sadness, feeling a bit insecure. And I think there's power in that awareness and that noticing and taking personal responsibility yeah. for yourself. Because once you can uh, look at your own emotions yeah. and not necessarily control them, mm -hmm. but acknowledge them, deal with them, yeah. work on them, progress from them. Yeah. Then you have ultimate power because and your partner can then do what they want. They could do anything. It's not going to knock your confidence because your confidence comes from within. Absolutely. And it's even that point where it's like, do you know what? What's the worst case scenario? He ran off with a Fitbo chick from Instagram. And do I have the self-worth to go, okay, well, he wasn't for me. And he can have her and she can have him and I'm going to move on and find someone else. Mm -hmm. I'll just be with myself for a while when I'm whole on my own. And it's like, when you have that underneath, that's what I recognized. The part, the, the route that I need to work on was, hang on a minute, what if that did happen? Does that mean that I'm not worthy? Does that mean that I'm not good enough? No, I'm still good enough. I'm still worthy. He wouldn't be good enough for me then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of digging through the layers of what looks like a bit of jealousy and a bit of insecurity and going, okay, what's at the root cause of what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And working on that. Yeah. We choose our partners very unconsciously, but yes. perfectly because perfectly. they'll always mirror back what we need to work on. Like mm -hmm. if you have a problem with confrontation, you might have a partner who likes to confront you yeah. or get really angry. Yeah, yeah. Or if you have, you know, insecurities or comparisonitis or <laughs> jealousy issues yeah. then you know they're probably going to reflect something back to you that you can work on but they're the ultimate assignment they are I mean a soulmate as well is you know that's what they're there for everyone thinks you meet a soulmate and that's it it's easy John they are the most triggering people in the world because they were sent to you for the very purpose of helping you to heal on the deepest level possible I totally believe that too and let's talk about comparison with social media because Social media gets a bad rap, but I really love it because my business has been almost completely built off of Instagram mm -hmm. and it allows me to give positivity to people whether or not they work with me because it's free. And I've met all of my best friends and amazing people through social media, so I love it. But I know and the research does show that it can really exacerbate comparison, shame, guilt, low confidence, anxiety. So as someone who is an influencer on Instagram, what insights or wisdom could you give to someone who might be feeling like they're not good enough in comparison to everybody else's perfect highlight reel? Okay, well, the number one thing I'd say is self-awareness is key here. Are you being sucked into the vortex of Instagram with no sense of self-awareness and just following all the celebrities and all the fittest people and all the, you know, the top 1% of the world? Or are you going, hang on a minute, there are people posting authentic content on Instagram. I'm going to find those people and I'm going to follow them. At the end of the day, it's completely within our control who we follow, what we see. Instagram even on the explore page matches the content that, that you look for and that you seek out. So if you're seeking out people who are going to make you feel shit, then sorry, but it is your own fault at the end of the day and that might hurt to, to hear. But all it takes is a bit of self-awareness to go, God, I'm going to go through my follower list Mm -hmm. and respectfully without judgment unfollow all the people who don't serve me and and don't make me feel good about myself because there are so many people on instagram that are positive and kind and real and authentic and you can ask people who their favorite followers are i even go onto google and type in most influential like most um authentic people on instagram or the realest or the funniest or and my instagram is just the best place ever it's full of memes it's full of women that I look up to, it's full of inspirational quotes, and I go on there when I feel shit to pick myself up. But I've created that safe space for myself. It's a very safe space. And the other thing I'd say is, you know, limit how much time you spend just mindlessly scrolling, because at the end of the day, 
again, like coming back to what I was saying before, whose business are you in? If you're just constantly scrolling all day, judging other people's lives, that's not serving you. And it, just, and it might feel good in the moment to help you get that little boost, but that's not, that is not the answer. It's a very, very temporary quick fix. It's like going out and buying a pair of shoes when you're feeling down. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, the shoes are fun and you wear them for one night out or whatever, but then you just go back to feeling sad. There's no point scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's not the way to bring yourself up. The way to bring yourself up is to really hone in on the good people, the people that really inspire you and just follow people who you want to be more like. And I think that's all very much within all of our control. Yeah, I used to... Back in the day, I'd go and be like, okay, I'm going to lose loads of weight. Yeah. I'm going to go follow all the skinniest girls I can find. And Same. then I will be inspired. It's inspiration. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. And I uh, might have even searched that hashtag before. Yeah. And it used to just perpetuate more shame. I think exactly. we were saying before, people think if you get a certain amount of followers or you reach a certain weight or you kind of look like you've got your life sorted on paper or like online, that then you'll be happy. But often some of those people are the most insecure because they're constantly being judged, quantified, measured. Their income is measured on their engagement and their likes. And it's just, it's a complete lie that, you know, we'll feel better if we look a certain way or achieve a certain thing like totally. that. and like when I scroll back to before I had Esme and maybe a few maybe a year down when I was at the height of like just posting super edited photos I was my most miserable I was horrible to Paul in our relationship I was my most jealous I followed all of the you know the hot the Instagram baddies as you would call them and the makeup accounts the beautiful girls and the you know the tiny waists and big bums and big boobs and the kind of unrealistic body goals and girls who were clearly editing the photos but I would just assume it was real even though I knew it wasn't do you know what I mean I wasn't a nice person then and I wasn't happy and people would look at me and and they would be crueler to me because I was more intimidating looking but actually what I needed was love and that's the sad thing these people that are posting all the edited stuff what they really need is love because now that I'm full of love I post whatever I want and I don't care what anyone thinks I post myself being stupid pulling silly faces, no makeup on, having a bad hair day with my postpartum body out. And I'm like, I don't care because I'm happy and I'm full from the inside and I don't need anyone to tell me that I've got a good body or I'm pretty anymore. Like I don't need that anymore because there's so much more to life and life is richer when you stand in your power and you don't compare and you don't watch what someone else is doing and and then pitch your life against it. It's just like such a, a more wholesome place to live from. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I think you and I are probably lucky because we we turned that kind of journey or that transformation into something that we do now full-time for work. So in being in my purpose or you being in your purpose, it's that constant reminder of where we've come from, where we are, and like reinforcing those values and reinforcing, mm-hmm. you know, living from a place of authenticity. So I think I feel very lucky to be able to do what I do for work yeah. and to spread that positive message. Yeah. But I guess some people might struggle as well if they're in a job that they don't like. And so for them, Instagram is like their escape yeah. or the way that they kind of decompress after a long work day in the office. And I, I admit it must be really hard for people who like hate, maybe hate their job or yeah. hate their boss. Yeah. And then they go online and see all of these perfect people online with perfect lives. Yeah. Which are never perfect. Never perfect. <laughs> never perfect. Presented like, as perfect. Yeah, exactly. And people think that, you know, being a blogger is, you know, oh my God, you're so lucky that it would ever, like I, I, obviously I hated my job before I was a blogger. I had multiple different jobs in big companies and I can't, couldn't stand it. And I just needed to get free. But it wasn't like I just started blogging one day and then I was rich. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I literally went through a time when even Paul and I together couldn't afford our rent. I was borrowing money off my dad. I was eating Sainsbury's own beans and I was looking for money under the sofa. And, you know, we were at a point where we were like, shit, we actually can't even afford to live. Do you know, we can't afford to survive. We'd, if it wasn't for having friends and family to support us and stuff, we would have not had anywhere to live. We'd have to move back in with my mum or my dad or whatever. And you you build it up from there and I think people think that, that, that everybody just got it easy 
I know people assume, Chessie always says, like, I've really worked my ass off to get to where I am. And I've put so much of my money and my own time into this, into this job and into creating what I do. And it's so easy to sit, for people to sit at home and say, oh, you're so privileged and, you, you know, you've got everything given to you on a plate and this, that and the other. And, and again, it's just so unhealthy because all you see, as they always say, don't judge a book by its cover. You only get to see the cover of the book and you do not know what's the story behind it. Um, and everything on Instagram is face value. And that's why it's hard because pictures, 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 pictures. Yeah. And it's really hard to go deeper. You know, you can put your caption or whatever, but it's still, it's hard to, to, to see under the surface of it all. Yeah, and not everybody shares vulnerably. So no. they could have this beautiful house and, you know, a husband and maybe they're completely unhappy or they're traumatised or yeah. they're not at a space in their journey where they're, you know, an influencer who shares about mental health or mm-hmm. that might just not be their vibe, right? Yeah. But we see the pretty picture. Yeah. I was in this restaurant recently, this, like, really beautiful restaurant in London. It's, like, one of the nicest ones. And there was this couple next to us and the woman, she had the biggest engagement ring I've ever seen and they were like clearly very wealthy but they were abusing each other yeah. in the restaurant and mm. swearing at each other and he was abusing her and then and left and left her in the restaurant. And I just thought, you know, I bet you don't see that on either of their social no, media. of course. <laughs> and that's the thing as well. It's, it's actually really nice when you're a blogger and you, you are helping people that you can talk about your life so freely and you can be open um, because you know it's helping people. But if you haven't got the following, why would you go online and say, oh, I just had an argument with my boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Or why would you go online and, and say, you know, today my boyfriend hit me? Or you can't. You can't. You don't have that kind of freedom or that influence. To, that you're not in the position to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's, we all apart from the people who are, you know, in an influential position, we do just tend to post our highlight reel and that's all. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I guess if we think about mental health awareness, Mm -hmm. you can share in small ways, can't you? So you can share maybe in your workplace if they're doing something on mental health awareness, which a lot of corporates are now moving towards, which is cool. Thank God, yeah. Share your experience with a friend who maybe sees you as someone who has their shit together Mm -hmm. and you can kind of say, well, no, I don't. I'm actually really struggling with this. And I think that's actually sometimes more brave than you or I just talking to the phone. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember like when I had my counselling and I was dealing with all my mental health issues, I was doing it all privately. Like a lot of my friends and even some of my family found out about this stuff when I started talking about it online yeah because I found it so hard to tell the people that had seen me as this really strong and happy person yeah to admit actually no I'm pretty fucked up right now yeah yeah so in some ways it's even braver if you can just share with the people in your life and kind of break through that that mask or facade that you might have been putting on and because when you do that you give other people permission to be vulnerable too absolutely yeah yeah, when you open up, it allows them to open up and it just, the whole, everything just softens, doesn't it? Everything's like, oh, everyone can breathe. When people are open and vulnerable, it's like there's just this, the, the air gets cleared and everything's just like, ah, let's all just speak our truth. Yeah. <laughs> and connect. There's so much connection in it. I was really lucky at my last job before I became a blogger that my my manager, she was so lovely and so open and so warm and I felt so comfortable talking to her about me having a hard time Um and my parents were going through some stuff and I talked to her about that. And it just makes such a difference when you've got someone who is warm and loving and open to talk to. But like you were saying before, there's so many people who just do not have that. They're in the workplace and they can't, they literally cannot open up to anyone or feel like they can't. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. go down well even if they did. So it almost makes them even more reluctant. Or if they do open up and it gets received the wrong way, that can be quite traumatising and then again, they've gone back even further back into their shell, you know? Definitely, yeah. I've had that experience, the nice one and the not-so-nice one as well and it can just be so hard. But the thing is, you know, there are people who will listen, there are people you can talk to, even if it's a helpline. Like I started having some flashbacks two years ago and I didn't know 
who to talk to about it. And so I just remember I called the helpline. Then I went and did some personal development where I could just talk to strangers about it. And then that kind of gave me the courage to start opening up those conversations with my family and my partner. And sometimes it's just taking those little baby steps of vulnerability. Yeah. 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 And vulnerability is your access to confidence because you can't be confident if you won't be vulnerable. Yeah. You have to be willing to feel uncomfortable in order to be confident. And this is the thing. It's like when you aren't being vulnerable, it means that you feel in some level of shame there. You don't want to share something because you're ashamed of it. But when you bring that thing into the light, the shame disappears. It's like me with my postpartum body. I can be ashamed of it and keep it hidden. But as soon as I show it, I lose all that shame. And I'm, I'm confident and I'm proud. It really is taking whatever it is that you're so scared about and so ashamed of and literally opening the doors and letting the light in and the light shines on it and it's like everything's all good (laughs) yeah I love the way you describe that spot on yeah if you want to be fully confident not just faking it on the outside or being an extrovert which is different to being confident you need to be confident sitting in that vulnerable space and also like how you are like recognizing I've figured all this shit out, but I'm still figuring this stuff out too yeah. and being confident in that. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's so much power in that as well. And I, I often say you can be a mess and a masterpiece. Absolutely. You don't have to have all of your self-love and all of your self-confidence sorted out mm-hmm. in order to talk about it. You can be on the journey. You can have learned some things in the past and still have things to learn. This is yeah. why I talk about it because I'm going, I've been through it and I'm going through it and yeah. I'm living it. What I, can't, I couldn't talk about something that I'm not living, that I've not been through. It would be completely inauthentic of me. Someone said the other day that you, the things that you put out are the things that you, that you need to hear yourself. Mm-hmm. People share quotes, but they don't share random quotes that, no, that don't mean anything <laughs> to them. They share quotes that they themselves need to hear. Yeah. Because it resonated with them and they went, oh my God, I need to hear that. Someone else needs to hear that. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. And I think it's important for people to know too that you can be confident and still have insecurities. Like, yeah. I'm not void of insecurities. I've definitely got insecurities. We were saying, like, before we started recording, how we were talking about speaking, and I was saying, you know, I used to have this insecurity about my voice and my accent and the yeah. way that I speak, and so I used to try and really, like, tidy myself up and be very polished, and, yeah, yeah it was okay, but then I gave myself permission to just be myself, and it turned out that that's actually what people really you like about it. Yeah. They, I, I used to be... Very insecure that I had an Australian accent. And actually, my Australian accent isn't as Aussie as it was before because I subconsciously tried to almost get rid of it, probably. Oh, they really like my accent. They do, yeah. It's gorgeous. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's great. <laughs> and it's just the owning that. And I bet as well, when you started doing that, what you were saying flowed more because you weren't thinking about how to come across. You were just letting it flow without being insecure. Yeah, yeah. When you take your focus off of, that fear of being judged and trying to damage control the judgment that you're going to get or the fear of failure. Yeah. You can be present in what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So true. So just to kind of wrap things up yes. of this juicy, amazing conversation, <laughs> what would you tell your younger self? Just trust your path and trust the timing of your life. Because everything is always, 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 no matter how hard and difficult and confusing it seems, it's working out. Everything's always working itself out and everything has a purpose. And this universe is incredibly intelligent. If you can put your faith and your trust in that, life becomes so much easier because you just get to relax and you get to let go of the outcome of everything and control and everything and just go with the flow of life. Because that's something I think as a teenager and as a, young, as a younger person... I definitely resisted and tried to control. So, yeah, I think I would tell myself to go with the flow and trust. That's beautiful. How about you? Something similar, I guess. Um, oh, so many things. Yeah. Actually, you just want to <laughs> write a list for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. But, yeah, trusting the path and yes. knowing that, you know, just because you have stumbles and setbacks doesn't mean that you're broken or yeah. you're not going to make it or that, you know, you're damaged in some way. Yeah. And actually, there's a quote I love that says, the wound is where the light gets in. Totes. And like you, I've got a similar thing where like what I do now is a direct 
uh, result of the awful experiences yeah. that I've had. Yeah. But those things only connect with the power of hindsight. Mm-hmm. You don't have that looking forward. Totally. So trusting the path, knowing that I'm enough, I'm not broken, and that actually all of the bad things that are going to happen are going to lead to the best experiences of your life. And there's another saying, the strongest trees grow against the wind. I love that. So nice. Yeah. I love it so much. It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. The more you go through, it all is a blessing. And to say that things are happening for you and not to you as well, is just such a nice way to look at things. I'd probably tell myself that as well. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. You're so welcome. This has been amazing. I've loved this chat. Yeah, well, we'll just stop recording now and just continue our coffee. But thank you so much (laughs) for coming over and for all of your amazing wisdom and authenticity and vulnerability with me. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful and it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode and until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.